What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you for another week of golf uh, coming off a, a really fun tournament last week in Scotland. Uh, of course, the tee times got moved up there on the uh, the weekend uh, with the high winds. Would have been really interesting to see if they would have tried to play that final round on Sunday uh, in the uh, the teeth of that Sunday afternoon wind, but they did move it up. And uh, Rory McIlroy, incredible, birdieing 17 and 18 to win the tournament by one stroke. Uh, only a handful of birdies on those holes throughout the day. And for him to birdie both of them and win the tournament uh, will pretty much put the lid on everyone uh, who had been saying, you know, he's having trouble closing out golf tournaments. So uh, we'll recap that really quick here. Uh, but we've also got a busy week in store with the Open Championship. Another major this week, and uh, we want to make sure we devote plenty of time to breaking that down. So to help do that, I've got two co-hosts with me tonight. Uh, we've got Matt Vincenzi back uh, with us this week. He was on uh, a few weeks ago and did a great job. So happy to bring him back for a major. Matt, how you doing? Good. Thank you. I'm uh, excited to be back. Had a lot of fun last time, and this one will be even better because it's a major and you can't beat that. Absolutely. We look forward to uh, breaking it down here. And of course, as usual, we've got Mr. Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. Notorious, alongside as well. Noto, how you doing? Yeah, doing well. Didn't catch uh, a bunch of the Scottish Open, but uh, ended up watching that Rory shot like everyone else, like uh, 100 times on Twitter afterwards. Uh, fun event. Um, and the Barbasol was pretty fun, too. Uh, I had more of a sweat over there with uh, Vincent Norman. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I can't believe his putt dropped on 18. I don't know if you guys were paying attention to that. But, saw uh, that, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, the full 360. It looked like it was going to miss. And then he won in the playoff. And, uh, yeah, we got to hear your uh, bad beat story on uh, McIntyre, Justin. <laughs> it wasn't a very large bet, so that's the good news. But before the tournament, I put a little bit on uh, on McIntyre to, to win the tournament. We talked about him. Uh, both Noto and I, I think, kind of gushed about him on last week's show. So that was a good call. And uh, McIntyre, you know, a, the hometown guy there, the whole crowd rooting for him and uh, made a huge run there on the weekend. And uh, with the tee times getting moved up so early and really, you know, the bet was of a size that I probably wouldn't have hedged it out regardless. But uh, when he had that uh, huge shot on, on 18 uh, and ended up, you know, getting in the clubhouse lead there, uh, and then McElroy goes and birdie 17 and 18. And I just kind of chuckled that, uh, you know, this is the one time that uh, Rory gets it done is when uh, it, it hurts a little bit. But uh, yeah, if anybody had a McIntyre win ticket, uh, hopefully you, you got a little bit on Rory as well uh, to make that payoff. But, you know, thankfully we weren't talking, you know, five figures here for me or anything. So uh, which is good, because if it would have been a bigger bet, I would have been a more angry. Uh, and B, I don't think the Sunday MLB content that I was doing while the tournament was wrapping up would have got done on time. So, uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, but good for Rory. But I re really wish Bobby Mack would have won because I like him, too. All right. Well, let's uh, any other takeaways. Obviously, we've talked about uh, Rory. We talked about Bobby Mack. Uh, we had, you know, a pretty star studded leaderboard last week. Uh, no surprise with a lot of the big names making. Uh, the trip over. So we had Scheffler, uh, despite an off week, uh, still finishing in a tie for third. You had Hatton up there. He was in the mix. Tommy Fleetwood, uh, who I know Noto was rooting for, um, just couldn't make any birdies on Sunday. Tom Kim was up there as well. 
Uh, and a big finish for David Lingmurth, uh, his first showing of any significance in quite a while. And that's gotten him into uh, this week's field. Benny on also uh, qualifying for the open with a T3 finish. But uh, Matt, any other takeaways uh, from last week's event uh, from your angles? Yeah, like Noto, he was on the pre-tournament for Fleetwood. I got on it 130 to 1. Uh, in the middle of round one. So I was sweating that one out. I hit it pretty big too, because I really liked him pre-tournament, um, you know, for all the reasons that Noto did, but I just, I had Hatton and I just feel like I couldn't pull on the, on both guys at that price. So I was waiting to see if I could get something live. And I did, which made it hurt when he didn't play that well on Sunday. I actually thought he was in a really good position to win because all the pressure was on Rory. He was a couple back and, but still in the final group. Uh, so I, I, so him and Hatton, I really thought I had, you know, someone sent me a screenshot at one point. I think on the 12th or 13th hole, Hatton was the favorite and Fleetwood was the second favorite. Um, so didn't didn't work out there. And then I was on uh, Glover and Murray at the Barbasol. So I'm not lucky there either. So, yeah. Oh, well. You're due. You're due. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fleet, and it was pretty impressive that Fleetwood was still kind of in the mix because I believe he started his round with 11 or 12 straight pars. Um and, you know, he was still right there uh, before he kind of went sideways a little bit for a couple holes, but um, just couldn't make any birdies and ended up uh, finishing just a few shots back there. Uh, but a solid week for a lot of those guys. Uh, Noto, anything else that uh, that you took away from last week? I know there were quite a few chalky guys. Um, you know, you look at all the names that uh, finished just off so- outside the cut line. Patrick Cantley was one shot away. Uh, Aberg was one shot away. Adam Scott was one shot away. Keith Mitchell uh, missed the cut by one. Justin Rose was a couple shots outside the cut line. Sungjae, a couple shots outside the cut line. So, yeah, a few shots here or there might have really swayed the cut, uh, made cut percentages for DFS last week. So, yeah, it was a really interesting week, pretty low 6 to 6 percentage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you just rattled off my uh, main lineup in DFS right there with all those <laughs> missed cuts. Uh <laughs> It was pretty rough, but um, one other point on DFS is a lot of the cheaper uh, DP World Tour guys ended up playing well, um, and I think we're going to see that again this week. And then one other note, uh, you know, Steph Curry got the hole-in-one and then hit that uh, putt to win the uh, celebrity. That's not fair. He so, uh, should not be guy, allowed to. Uh, that guy's um, too good at everything. We were on, uh, not to, to sidetrack the show, but I was uh, I was on XM with Dean um, when uh, when – Curry made that hole in one. And so I looked at the leaderboard of that. Uh, it was a celebrity, you know, just a two round celebrity event. Uh, so I picked like four names from the top 10 and four names from the bottom 10. And I made Dean guess whether that was a good celebrity golfer or a bad celebrity golfer. And I think he got exactly half of them right and half of them wrong. So that was a fun little game we played. But uh, the, you know, it's, it's really weird. You think, you know, some of these guys, like, how can this guy be a, top five wide receiver in the NFL and he's finishing below Charles Barkley uh, in the, in the celebrity golf tournament. But uh, anyway, those things are pretty cool, but it's not fair how, how good Curry is like, leave the, leave one sport for somebody else. Uh, Cause he's played in a few like corn fairy events too, right? I think so. Yeah. Crazy. Well, uh, that was last week. We can probably go ahead and move on. Obviously we've got a, a lot to talk about this week with the Open Championship. A little bit different pricing on DraftKings this week, too. Uh, we've got golfers in the 5Ks on DraftKings this week uh, for, I believe, the first time ever. Uh, so they've widened the salary range a little bit more. 
Uh, not that, you know, anybody really down there is somebody you want to be playing, but uh, maybe it starts to lead us towards a little bit more uh, value. Maybe we start to see the Stars and Scrubs builds become a little more popular, depending on how they, you know, treat this in future weeks. Uh, and if it's not just kind of a, a one-off sort of deal, but uh, we've got the uh, the Open Championship, if you're not familiar, is always contested on a, a different course. So they've got a rotation of courses that they go through. Uh, and this year's will be at Royal Liverpool, uh, which last hosted the event in 2014 and then in uh, in 2006. And I believe that Rory and Tiger are the last two winners here, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So pulled up the 2014 leaderboard here just now. Obviously, that's almost a decade ago. So a lot of guys aren't going to have history. Um, but Rory, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, Jim Furyk, Mark Leishman, Adam Scott were your top six back in 2014. Uh, Noto, what do you think about uh, the course and the event in general and maybe this new pricing on DraftKings? Yeah, I mean, you win this week and you're going to be included with some of uh, the golfing greats. You know, Tiger, Rory, Walter Hagen, Bobby Jones have all won here. So uh, should be uh, should be a fun week. Um, it's typically been a little bit easier than most of the other courses on the open rota. Um, it's par 71 now. It did play as a par 72 the last two times we saw it. Uh, 7,383 yards. New 17th hole. Uh, par 3 is going to be in play this time. And uh, basically the story of the week is you're going to want to hit the fairways. Um, they aren't you know, particularly narrow, about 32 yards wide. But after that, you have a couple yards of rough and then uh, some really high fescue. And uh, out of bounds is going to be on in play in six of the 18 holes. I don't know if you guys saw today, but uh, on 18, out of bounds is like six yards away from the fairway. So going to see uh, a lot of drama there on the finishing hole. The green's uh, 6,500 square feet, so a little bit smaller than tour average. Feature bank grass and fescue. And, yeah, I mean, Lynx experience, open championship experience. Uh, I do think it might play a little bit easier. There is a lot of rain in the forecast, so we'll see if the wind picks up. Uh, you know, like we saw last week, I and mean, we were expecting some huge winds, and then they came at some time. They you know, went away at other times. So just be uh, be aware of that. Check the wind right before it line up lock because we could see a potential you know, wave advantage. I'm going to be stacking both sides, even if it does look like you know, one side is going to be better than the other. And then the, my other point, you mentioned the, the pricing. Yeah, there's some 5K guys that uh, look, pretty, look pretty appealing this week. And then the ceiling also uh, was raised by DraftKings 12.5 for the most expensive guys. So a lot more uh, lineup decisions to make this week, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. And uh, you know, the other thing about the tee times for this is that they tend to be uh, spread out a little bit more than uh, than your other events because uh, I don't think they're out yet. But most of the time, in the absence of uh, really strange weather conditions, I believe most of the Open Championship venues send everybody off the first tee. Uh, which tends to spread out the uh, the tee times a little bit more. And uh, with the weather being unpredictable, a lot of times there could be maybe just a two-hour block of tee times that end up uh, with the best advantage. And that was, you know, the one my biggest score ever in DFS was uh, at this tournament one time uh, stacking together guys that were teeing off within a similar range that ended up having by far the best scoring conditions for the first couple of rounds. So, and the forecast can change on a dime. So like Noto mentioned, um, stacking up different spots of the draw, uh, even if the forecast maybe looks slightly different on the surface, uh, is certainly something that you can consider. 
Uh, Matt, what do you think about the course and uh, tournament in general this week? Yeah, I mean, just to add to that finishing stretch, you talked about 18 being uh, pretty interesting with that out of bounds right there to the right. There's also like a TIO area where I know typically guys will kind of fire at that and get a nice drop. And here at the open, they usually do it differently. They give you a drop area from that. So you're not going to get as favorable as a spot. And 17, uh, there are a lot of comments today. You know, Billy Foster, uh, I just finished writing a story about this. Billy Foster was talking about, uh, he's Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy, talking about 17 and how it's basically unfair. Um, it's a small green. It's only 150 yards, but it's most likely going to play into the wind. Um, and if you're taking, like we saw Rory on 18, taking a two iron into a, sh a kind of a relatively short shot, and then it really filters off and the bunkers are really, really hard on, on 17. So um, a lot of negative feedback on that hole so far. So I think the 17-18 finish is going to be pretty wild. Yeah, for sure. It was really, really interesting seeing that uh, where that out of bounds is on 18. I think there's going to be uh, uh, <laughs> help us all if Hatton hits it there. Um, <laughs> will be <laughs> will be what uh, what happens, I guess, or maybe it's good theater uh, if that happens. But uh, will be a really interesting finishing stretch. Um, that's getting a lot of the press here today. I know I think uh, Michael Kim tweeted out earlier, he's always posting his thoughts on the course uh, that he played the back nine today. Uh, the back nine will be played into the wind for the most part. Um, and, you know, especially with some rain uh, and the course maybe not being as firm and fast as you would expect for a Lynx course, uh, I think is going to have a lot more people emphasizing driving uh, this week than maybe you otherwise would have uh, all things being equal. So, uh, anyway, we should uh, get to the breakdown here. Uh, it looks like our projections uh, really have it uh, pegged as a event where it's going to be difficult to score. Obviously, that's somewhat dependent on the weather, uh, but uh, our projections have the highest score at 40 fantasy points right now, which that seems um, – that seems. I mean, Noda, does that seem low to you? Uh, what was uh, what was it you say? The, the highest – fantasy point projection that we have right now is like 40 uh that might be i think that's leftover from the showdown last week i don't think oh, the projections okay. are up yet got it well that would make sense yeah okay now i feel a little better i'm like wow because yeah uh, that's that's real low <laughs> when he scored 15 over par we got uh we got 50 mile an hour wins here this week all right so take the projections with a grain of salt uh if we still got uh last week's numbers in there in terms of the uh, the fantasy point numbers. So uh, it will be difficult to score regardless, but uh, for those that uh, we could, I'm not sure if, yeah, okay. Steve doesn't have it up on the screen share right now, but um, let's go ahead and start with the, uh, the top of the group here. And, and Noto, you mentioned the uh, 12, five salary tag there at the top for Scheffler uh, who obviously deserves to be the most expensive golfer in the field based on the way that he's been playing over the course of this entire season. Hasn't missed a cut. Hasn't really finished outside the top 15. Uh, you've got last week's winner and the 2014 winner on this course in Rory. Uh, and then we've got Rom, we've got Cam Smith, we've got Brooks Kepka, and we've got Hovland and Shoffley also above 10 K. So we've got seven options up in that top five figure tier on DraftKings this week. Uh, Matt, I'll let you have the first crack. How are you handling this top range this week? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they didn't make it easy with the pricing here. Um, 
Scheffler and Rory are both really hard to ignore for me. Scotty, just his floor is so insanely high, unlike anything I've really ever seen. Um, so it's hard to get away from him, but that price is prohibitive. So I'm glad that DraftKings made that the price. Um, and then Rory, I mean, he has the course form. He has the current form. He obviously was great on Sunday. For me, it's going to come down to ownership. And Noto, I did want to ask you this because I'm seeing um, early projections here of Rory at like 18 to 20 percent. I just can't imagine it'll be that low. Yeah, I was kind of seeing the same thing. Um, I was thinking he's going to be the highest home guy above 10K. So I'm right there with you, although it seems like a lot of steam in the betting markets coming in on Scheffler. You know, he was 10 to 1 yesterday morning. He was 9 to 1 last night. Now, best you can get him is like 750. So Maybe everyone's kind of following the, the betting market and uh, there's more steam coming in on Scheffler as well. It's really hard to you know find a problem with either one of those guys. Yeah, they're, yeah. Definitely, they're definitely the top two there for sure. It'll be really interesting to see how ownership ends up shaking out um, or whether they kind of end up you know in the same ballpark. Like if one is significantly higher owned than the other, then give me the lower owned guy. I don't care which one it is. That's where I'm at too. Yep. And go ahead. Uh, and you know, for me, I'm probably gonna I probably lean Rory over Shuffler. It seems like I mean, I mean, the numbers that I'm seeing I don't think are completely way off base. It seems like Shuffler's gonna be higher owned and he's has that six hundred dollar price increase. So if that's the case, I'll play Rory. Uh, is there any possible scenario where you could see not playing either of these guys? Go ahead, Noto. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the balance build certainly looks a lot better on paper. Um, you don't have to dip into the the 6Ks, the 5Ks. So if the winner comes, you know, from that 9K range, then uh, I could certainly see it being possible. But it's hard not it's hard to see them, you know, not being one of the two being in the mix, at least. Yeah, with the way that uh, that Sheff, I mean, Scheffler's just form, uh, we talk about how long it's been since he's finished outside the top 15. Uh, it's been April 13th since he finished outside the top five in any event, which is crazy. Uh, the Tita Green game, I mean, obviously on point. Uh, and Rory has not finished outside the top 10 uh, since May 4th. So, uh, yeah, those two guys seem to be separating themselves from the rest of the pack. And I think it's going to lead to a lot of people thinking, hey, if I'm going up here, I might as well get one of those two or taking the, you know, Noto approach of, well, the balance build seems to make a little bit of sense. Uh, Noto, is that going to have like the whole world running away from Rom and Smith and Kepka and Shoffley? I mean, are these guys going to end up being lower owned simply because people are going balanced or, you know, or they're playing Scheffler or Rory? Yeah, it does feel like that next range is going to be a little under owned just because you're, most guys are going to start with Scheffler or Rory. And then from that point, you can't really fit anyone else above 10k unless you you know really dip into the, the value guys so i do think we're going to see some lower ownership um especially on rom you know he hasn't played much i missed the cut at the travelers his last time out before that uh, he didn't play great at the u.s open so i think rom's probably going to be really low owned you know cam smith everyone's going to be worried about the accuracy off the tee i've already heard that narrative spit out a bunch um i like him quite a bit um you know best short game on tour maybe um and then obviously got the good iron play as well. Won the open last year. Brooks and Major is always interesting. Xander is the the model favorite. Anytime you run any kind of model, he's going to pop up there. Um, he's actually third in my model this week, but we know he's not going to win. Um, at least we we don't think he's going to win. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, my favorite 
other than the top two is going to be Hovland. Um, he's been playing great all year. Uh, he won the Memorial, his biggest win of his career thus far. He's been great at the Open. He's been great on Lynx courses. So I really like Hovland. I don't know if you compare him with Rory or Scheffler, but I'm certainly going to try in some lineups. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how all this plays out at the top. Um, I've always kind of been uh, underweight on Cam Smith for the most part, uh, you know, even when he was playing on the PGA Tour full time and uh, just finds ways to contend. And, you know, and, and this is a week where certainly creativity could end up paying off. So uh, don't mind rolling with him in some tournament builds. Uh, Matt, any other thoughts on this this top tier for you? Yeah, I'm going to play a lot of Hovland. Uh, he's my pick to win, uh, and I really feel pretty good about it. I like mostly the fact that he has now developed that necessary scar tissue that it takes to win majors, right? He he was uh, in the final group at, at St. Andrews, and then at the Masters, he was in the second-to-last group, and then at the PGA Championship, he was in the final, final group with, with Brooks. And then that one, he actually showed that he could play well, and if Brooks didn't exist, he would have won the tournament. I think he was good enough to win. He gets caught in that bunker, but he still shoots 68. So I'm just really impressed with the way he's developed and the way he's playing in majors now. And I think this might be the first of of many for him. So I'm definitely playing him. I won't be playing Xander. I agree on Cam. I like Cam. I don't care driving accuracy or not. He can win any course in the world. He's that great. Um, So I will try to look to get those guys in. But with this Scheffler-McElroy dilemma, it just makes everything tough. Like you can't play all four of those guys. So it's going to be some tough decisions to be made. Absolutely. Uh, part of the fun of DFS and narrowing down that player pool in your builds. Uh, and uh, again, of course, keep an eye on uh, where the ownership pulse heads uh, as we get closer to tea time as well. And uh, and make sure you get those rosters set early. Uh, we'll have an early lock, you know, around, uh, around the changeover from Wednesday to Thursday. Uh, if you're on the, uh, United States soil, you know, it's going to be a, a 2 a.m. lock or something like that um, on the East Coast and around midnight, you know, in the around the mountain time zone. So just make sure you don't get stuck with a dummy lineup that you don't want. As we head into the 9K range, you've got Cantley who missed the cut on the number last week. Uh, Fowler coming off a win with a relatively kind of average T42 finish faded a bit on Sunday, maybe a little bit of fatigue there after a win and travel and all that stuff. Uh, but he's there in the 9K range. Jordan Spieth still struggling to find his form. Uh, Fitzpatrick, another guy that missed the cut last week. I didn't even mention him when, when I went through that list earlier. And then you got Hatton, Fleetwood, uh, Lowry coming off strong performances last week. So you got quite a got group of guys with good form uh, and a few guys with maybe uh, shakier form in this 9k range and i will give the first pass at this uh, group to you noto what do you think yeah i do like the chalk in this range quite a bit it's hard to ignore hatton and fleawood both been great on links throughout their careers both coming off of uh, good finishes last week at the scottish and they've both been pretty good at the open championship so uh, in terms of high floors it's hard to ignore those two and for tournaments, uh, Jordan Speed. what are we doing with Jordan Speed? i know uh, justin's not yeah. playing him because just he just moved that him. on to matt and, uh, well, I was looking at, you know, Ron Claus, PJ Splits 101, a uh, friend of the show. I was looking at, he posts uh, all the all the Lynx rounds since 2014, I think. And Speed's number one in strokes game per round on Lynx courses over the last 10 years. He's obviously got the great open uh, track record as well. So, Matt, any interest in Speed at low ownership? 
I, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's probably a smart game theory play. But for me, I, I went there last week, and maybe I'm still, still spurned by that. But uh, I thought he played better last week, considering I think he finished 10th there last year. But it's either he's out of form or he's injured. And I don't know what the answer is, but regardless of which one it is, I, I'm going to be out. Uh, I always yeah, like him, man. I've always liked I was, him. <laughs> I was on him last week, too. Yeah, the last two links rounds, not good. Not good. So uh, <laughs> that's that's more important than the you know decade, of course. It's the decade of Link's history. You got to go half the last two rounds. You know, it, but he's not cheap. Like, it's not like he's priced down to Justin Thomas levels. And I'm, I, I speak on the whole, maybe hasn't been struggling as much as Thomas has. Uh, but it's not like he's been that far. He hasn't been peppering the top of leaderboards. And I think he'll be higher owned than many people expect, especially in the lower dollar contest, just because uh, you do tend to get maybe a few more casual users playing this week. And, and some of those guys will, will play speed. So I don't know. I don't think it's worth the trouble. So you can lock in the uh, minus 1000 uh, bet of me not uh, endorsing speed on the show, but uh, anything else in this range for you, Noto, anybody other than speed? Yeah, I like Ricky Fowler. Um, finally got the win a few weeks ago. Uh, played pretty well last week. Uh, we know he's been, you know, good on this side of the pond throughout his career. And uh, it just feels like, you know, now that he got that win, something big might be coming. So I do like Ricky Fowler quite a bit at 9,800. He was the last guy that uh, I left off my betting card this week. All right, uh, Matt, your thoughts on this uh, $9,000 range here this week? I'm with you, man. I love Ricky. I have a 125 to one ticket from probably six months ago that I'm excited yeah, about. I, w- I would take that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at these numbers, it's a little tougher to say whether I'd bet him or not. But I think you, you spoke about a high floor play with Fleetwood, and I, I agree with that. And I think follows that other high floor play. Like winning would be tough, but I I f- feel like he's close to a lock for a top 15 um, this week. And I could see him winning. I could see him winning. Like you, I think for some guys who have just won recently, I sometimes look at that as a negative, but for him, I think it's a positive because I didn't think his first win was going to be a major. I think he needed to kind of break that seal first and then, you know, gain that confidence back and then come into something big and, and win that. And why not a course that he finished second on in, in 2014 and he played really well that week. Um, so I, I, I do like Fowler. Um, I like Cantley too. Um, uh, you know, famous last words, he's, he's hurt me at times in the past in majors but his last five majors he's finished in the top 16 which it sounds better than it actually is because he really hasn't contended or made any meaningful golf shots in those majors yet but i just can't pass up the talent at what i think is somewhat of a discounted price i don't care about the miscut of the scottish um so i'm gonna be playing cantlay uh you know and i think if you start hovland cantlay then all of a sudden you know it's you're fading those top two guys, but you still have a lot of, um, I think, some win equity there. And then and then that high high end talent. I like Ricky. Um, Fleetwood is, is a really high floor, but can he win? I'm not sure about that. I'm a little higher on Fleetwood uh, than, than Hatton this week. And then at the bottom of the nines, I'm going to be playing a lot of, of DJ. I, I love DJ this week. I bet him at 35 to 1. Uh, he's been getting better in progressively i think he had a really slow start to the season because i don't think he did much in the offseason i'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you that but uh he gained 11.4 strokes t to green at the u.s open which was fifth in the field and then he's, he's played well in the last two starts on live uh he's a great open championship record which 
might be a little bit surprising to people because it doesn't seem like he would, but he's been great. Uh, he shot uh, 65 here in 20, uh, 2014, which was the low round of the entire week. So I, I think there's a lot of reason to go to him at, at that cheap of a price. Yeah, certainly some interesting ways to go in this range. And uh, I'm with you guys on the, the Cantley call. Um, I think, you know, Fleetwood, I'm maybe a little bit more, uh, a little bit higher on him than, than some people are this week. I mean, I think everybody seems to think uh, that he's a high floor player. I, I think, you know, he's just had some bad luck uh, coming down the end of some of these tournaments. I mean, you know, if you replayed the uh, the tournament from a few weeks ago, you know, 25 times, he's going to win that probably more than half the time it, it, with the way that uh, I guess that was uh, was about five weeks ago now. He was T5 at the U.S. Open, obviously was in the mix with, you know, five holes to go last week. Uh, so I, I think eventually he gets there. And I'm okay with him even at 9,300 this week also. So, uh, Noto, any other thoughts on the 9K range before we move on? Uh, funny walls in the chat. Cameron Young season. I mean, he's going to be – nobody's going to play him. Uh, I didn't – you know, I was surprised to see, you know, him kind of fall apart. Uh, where was it? The John Deere um, on the weekend. But, uh, man, it's hard to couldn't see him hand, playing couldn't well. Couldn't handle that weekend pressure at the John Deere. As yeah, and, and, you know, the driver's his best weapon. A lot of people are saying, you know, you're going to hit a lot of two irons. You know, Tiger famously only hit one driver the, the week that he won. Rory, I think he said he hit more two irons than drivers the week he won. So hard for me to see Cam Young. And then this has nothing to do with DFS. But, uh, Matt, I saw your tweet this morning about Cayenne Pepper. I'm always looking for new ways to get some more energy. What, uh, what do you do with this Cayenne Pepper? Yeah, so what I do is I it's a put a little bit of water in a cup. Um, I just sprinkle a good amount in. I can handle a lot. You can start with whatever you want. Swish it around, knock it back. Um, it's really good for a lot of different things. It's a blood stimulant. Um, it can like heal up any even if you put it on a wound on the outside, like on your skin. It'll it'll like close it directly up. It does the same thing on the inside of your body. Um, gets the blood moving around, makes the blood more effective. Uh, just like a stimulant would be for your brain. Uh, blood, it's a stimulant for your blood. So. Um, it helps the digestion. There's a lot of other, uh, helps with migraines is, um, helps with joint pain. It's, uh, it's kind of like a, a miracle drug or a miracle, miracle herb. Sorry, not a drug. It's better than taking drugs. And that's kind of, I think what the pharmaceutical companies would rather you not know. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. I'll let you, I'll let you know how it goes. Good. We have solved all the world's problems here on the air tonight. Uh, interesting. Okay. Well, uh, we go ahead and move on to the 8K range uh, where, you know, you still, these are the players, this range could make or break a lineup, I think, this week because, uh, you know, the, the, the Stars and Scrubs builds will be somewhat popular, but the balance builds are probably going to have a couple of guys in here. And these are, you know, most of the guys so far, either you can't poke more than one or two holes in the game or, you know, you basically just debate how much win equity they have. This range, you start to get to the volatile golfers that we know. We've seen upside from them in the past, but they've been a little bit more inconsistent. Matsuyama, Wyndham Clark, uh, Justin Thomas having his worst year uh, since he came on the PGA Tour full-time. Uh, Sung J.M. has been down a little bit more of late. Tony Finau uh, has been a little more up and down. Homa, we know, has been up and down and uh, well-chronicled lack of success in major championships. Uh, so anything in this kind of middle tier, Matt, that stands out to you at first glance this week? It's tough. I don't really like the range that much at all, um, which 
I'm sure we're not going to be alone on, which makes it, like you said, really important. Um, I'm going to play Bryson. I think his form is better than many people would believe. Uh, the fourth of the PGA, the 20th at the U.S. Open, where he was in the mix for a lot of it um, before the weekend. And I just think lately, I mean, he, he almost was second at Valderrama, which is a course that really shouldn't suit him. And then in London, he made a late charge um, before he had to take a penalty stroke. But I think he is uh, kind of going to go under the radar in terms of ownership. And he's been in the mix at the last two majors. And he's, you know, you, when you think of Bryson, you don't think of an open championship. But this course might suit him better than you'd think because, one, it's really flat, uh, which I think helps with his yardages. And also, I like that, you know, in 2019, Bryson, who he said he's trying to be, this is a course you would think it really would make sense for. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to play a lot of Bryson. Got to ask him what he thinks the par is on the course and then adjust accordingly. Um, Noto, your thoughts on the 8K range here? Yeah, like you guys, it's a really ugly range. I think if you played like 12% of everyone, you'd probably be overweight on most of them. Um, so that's at least an interesting angle to take an MME, just play the guys that nobody else wants to that, you know, at least have some talent. But in terms of the guys that I do like, I like Tony Finau a little bit. I know he's been in bad form, but if you look at, I mean, he's sixth in show game tee to green in this field since January 1st. It's mostly been the putter that's been holding him back. You look at his open championship track record, T28 or better in five straight years. So I think he's interesting 82. And then I'll play some Justin Rose at 8,000. Did burn me a little bit last week, but uh, he finished T23 here in 2014. Another guy that uh, seems to play well at the Open each year. All right. Uh, agree pretty much on the thoughts here that there's not a whole lot of high ownership in this range. Uh, like Noto, you know, I'm kind of a female fan. So uh, <clears throat> playing him at 8,200 while he's not massive chalk uh, is something that uh, that I think I'll be doing a little bit of this week as well. All right, uh, Noto, I'll stick with you as we go into the 7K range, uh, 7,500 to uh, to 7,900. Lots of guys that really aren't going to project a whole lot different than the 8K range above them. Uh, we know last week notwithstanding, Adam Scott's had a pretty good year. Jason Day, haven't seen him as much lately, but he's had a solid year. Uh, Gooch has been playing well on the Live Tour. Uh, you've got Connors, Minwoo Lee, um, you know, Patrick Reed obviously has major championship history, so uh, no strangers to to top level golf in this 7K range. You got a favorite or two in there? Yeah, this is going to be you know a course that rewards guys that hit the two iron well. Um, gotta like Minwoo Lee. We saw him at the Players Championship. You know he was hitting at 290 and straight. So I think he's interesting. He's coming off of six straight top 40s. Finished T21 at the Open last year. So I like him at 7,700 and then love Patrick Reed. He's made the cut at all the majors so far this season. He's a guy that nobody likes to play. So his ownership always comes in lower than it should. He's been playing pretty well um, on live too. He's coming off of a fifth and second place finish. So those are my two favorite in the range. I don't mind Adam Scott. Don't mind Corey Connors. I think they're kind of high floor plays there. All right, Matt, what do you like in here? Uh, I love Adam Scott. I think uh, some people will be turned off because he missed the cut last week, but he shot 67 in the second round and missed it missed it on the number. So I'm actually completely fine with that. Um, I know his, his coach recently said that he thinks he's in a great spot. Everything he does is geared towards attempting to win that second major and, you know, for his legacy and his career. So I think if there's a place where he can contend, it 
it, it can definitely be here. Uh, was great here in 2014. Yeah, at that time he was the number one player in the world. So um, it's not shocking that he played well, but the course still has to set up and, and suit him pretty well. And I think less than driver might actually be good for him because when he gets in trouble, he kind of sprays the driver a little bit. Um, but I think it's a great Adam Scott course, one of the best open championship histories out of any player in the field. Um, so six of his last seven, I think, in the top 20 in uh, um, in the open. So I like him a lot. I like Reed, too. Um, and who else here? Connors I like a lot, but I, I have a feeling he's going to be mega chalk, so I'm probably going to avoid. Yeah, it seems like that's been the case with a lot of the majors this year uh, based on the pricing. Um, I'll keep a close eye once we get our ownership projections finalized, but uh, you have to think that uh, that he'll be pretty popular. Uh, Neiman, another interesting guy, I think, uh, in terms of you know risk reward potential in this range. Um, it, it sort of depends on what you think. I, I, I'm of the opinion, and I think we'll see a few more drivers this week. We'll have to uh, see how the you know quotes come out over the next couple of days and what the weather forecast. Uh, ends up being, but uh, hopefully with a little bit more rain, uh, I think we'll maybe see guys take uh, bigger clubs off the tee uh, more so than than the last time the, the Open was played here. All right, as we move down to the lower end of the 7K range, you got Ryan Fox, uh, my uh, uh, guy that I play a lot uh, in this range. Uh, he had a decent uh, week last week, didn't play super well on Sunday, but still a, a solid overall week. Um, we've got Brian Harmon, Denny McCarthy, uh, Moronk missed the cut on the number last week. A lot of guys that uh, maybe we're used to playing uh, in from the PGA Tour side that are going to seem slightly underpriced, but uh, you know you get to guys that maybe don't have as much experience on links down here, uh, or you've got you know more of the European guys uh, like Thomas Peters and and Alex Norin down here as well. Um, Matt, I'll give you the first crack at the bottom end of the 7K range. What do you like in here? Yeah, at the bottom, um, McCarthy is interesting. He's been playing some really good golf, and he should he should uh, suit this course pretty well. Um, Power had a good start. I don't know if it's uh, sustainable or not. Um, I looked at Harris English a bit, but his Open Championship kind of turns me off. Henley does feel like a, a safer option um, and can do definitely what the course um, is asking of him. So those, those are the kind of guys that I think I would play. All right. Uh, Noto, your thoughts on this range? Yeah, somebody pointed this to me out uh, today on Twitter that uh, Russell Henley, I mean, he's got the perfect game for Lynx courses. He hits fairways. He's great with his irons. Uh, pretty decent on and around the greens. And for whatever reason, he's been terrible on Lynx courses. Like, might be the worst in the field, at least like uh, the guys that have enough rounds. So that's interesting to me. Um, he has been playing great, so we'll see how he plays. Brian Harmon at 14% feels really gross. I think he might end up being the guy that um, everyone talks up as the fade due to ownership on Monday. And then by the time, you know, lineup lock rolls around, hopefully he's going to be a little bit low owned. So I don't know what to do there. I do like Denny McCarthy. You know, he hasn't played a ton of links golf, but you talk about a guy that hits fairways, makes putts. And um, like Josh said in the chat, his box score is just, uh, it's awesome. I mean, he's been a top 10 machine all season. He talks about liking difficult courses. And then I do like uh, Adrian Moronk. He's number one in strokes game total on the DP World Tour this season. And other than the miscut last week, he's been playing great. So those are the guys that I like in the 7Ks. But there's there's a lot of good names here. Alex Noren's been playing a lot better recently. 
Um, other than last week, of course, uh, Chris Kirk, I think he sets up pretty well um, with his skill set for this course. And yeah, and then we'll go to the 6Ks and, and 5Ks, I guess. Yeah, I'm looking, uh, scrolling through our projected ownership as well. A few of the guys we've talked about in this range. Uh, Connor's at about 13%, Reed at about 11 um, Noto just mentioned Harmon there. Uh, nobody else kind of in the 7K range, really cracking double digits. Min Muli at 10, um, Adam Scott at 6, so interesting, fairly low ownership on him. Uh, but as we get down into the 6K range, uh, you've got last week's runner-up. It could have been winner, Robert McIntyre at 6,800. And you'll notice that, like, right now, Bobby Mack is at, like, 90-1 to 1 to win. Uh, and a lot of the guys around him are in that, like, 300 to 400 to 1 range to win. Uh, I guess Deuce Hayes in that 6,900 has, you know, he's the closest in odds, but even he's still in the upper 100. So, I can't remember the last time we've had mega chalk at uh, 6,800 on DraftKings, but here we are with Robert McIntyre who probably would have been priced maybe eight or $900 higher if pricing was set after last week's tournament ended. But uh, I suppose he probably deserves his own discussion here because of that ownership. So uh, Noto, I'll stick with you. What are you doing with Bobby Mack? I don't know just yet. Um, I love the love the play at the price point, obviously, but uh, I think in single entry and small field stuff, it'll probably be thirty percent owned, and that's mostly what I play uh, outside of the the millie makers. So I don't know what I'm going to do with them there. Um, but if you just look at you mentioned the outright number, I mean, he's the same as Tom Kim, who is eighty one hundred. Uh, he's the same as Sam Burns, who's eighty five hundred. He's got better odds than Justin Thomas, who's eighty six hundred. So it's really hard to make a case against him. He always comes alive at this time of year, obviously coming off a good finish. Um, he's three for three at the open with two top tens. So other than ownership, it's hard to find a reason not to like um, Robert McIntyre. I do like Jordan Smith right there at the same price point. I think he's interesting. I'll play a little bit of Louie. Uh, interested to hear your guys' takes on Louie. I mean, he's been a major killer throughout his career other than the last couple of years. But uh, he's finally showing a little bit of life over on Liv, a couple of top six finishes in his last three starts. So uh, any takers on Louie? If I play him, he will probably withdraw. So you probably oh. don't want me to <laughs> I mean, play he's going to withdraw but... either way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, your take on Louie or, or McIntyre? Yeah, Louie's my favorite play in the, in the upper sixes. Yes. And I'm going to be playing a lot of him. Uh, I'm not going to play any McIntyre. If he beats me, he beats me. But – um, I have a, you know, a rule, you don't play chalk in the six Ks and sometimes you, it beats you and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so whatever the result, I'll live with it. I'm not going to play him. I'm going to play Louie. I love Louie. Uh, he's been, you know, if you look at him at this course and say this was in 2020, he'd probably be 8,700, right? Because it just feels like a perfect layout for him. Uh, and he's starting to come alive on, on live. He, his, his last few starts have been really good. Um, I watched a lot of that last one uh, when Cam won in London and Louis was the guy kind of, you know, right on his ass the entire tournament. So that, that recipe of fairways and greens and keeping the ball in play and keeping the ball in front of you, good putter. Uh, I like Louis a lot. Another guy I like that'll play over McIntyre uh, is Brandon Grace, who has been one of the best players uh, kind of on live since he's, he's joined. He's fallen off slightly lately, but I still think at that price, he's really cheap. Uh, and I think, 
you know, he's, he's a good open championship player. So I'll be playing some of him too. And I like Smith as well. Yeah. Jordan L. Smith is the guy I was going to mention there. 12th last week. Uh, couldn't quite get enough putts to drop, but he had all four rounds under 70. Uh, just a, a, a solid all around performance. Uh, he's probably another option. That's you know at least relatively safe for a made cut uh, in this range. Uh, maybe Bjork, who's another guy we talked about last week on the show. Uh, who is priced at 6,700. So there are some pivots here. And, you know, this is maybe more names than we talk about in the 6Ks a whole lot of weeks and kind of goes along with that lower floor pricing uh, on DraftKings that uh, that we've been talking about here throughout the show. So, Anoto, I'll open it up at this point. Uh, who else you want to talk about? Yeah, you mentioned uh, Bjork. I just wanted to hit on a couple of things with him. So if you look at the raw strokes gained off the tee, he's not very good, but he's actually sixth in driving accuracy on the DP World Tour and second in strokes gained approach. So uh, he's been playing some great golf. He's finished T42 or better in 18 straight events. So I think he's got a, a nice floor there at 6,700. He did end up being really popular last week, um, but I think you know McIntyre will help him be a little bit lower on this week. Uh, Torbjorn Olsson, he's been playing well. Um, he's a guy that uh, has some really good stats on the DB World Tour. Don't mind looking at him. Uh, Andrew Putnam's been really good on Lynx courses. Not really sure why that's the case, but uh, he's accurate off the tee. Um, he's got a really good short game as well. And then moving down, uh, is it Used? Juice? Juice Loughton. Um, he's been playing pretty well. Um, 6,200 seems like a good price for him. He's top 50 in my model. Uh, coming off of two top tens in his last three starts. And that'll do it for me until we get into the 5Ks. I, I don't know why I didn't think about it till just now, but how about the uh, uh, PGA Tour suddenly just having the full shot tracker data for the uh, – and some people may not have even noticed this uh, because they might have followed it on the Euro Tour, uh, the DP World Tour site. But uh, PGA Tour just, bang, full shot tracker for the Scottish Open last week. Uh, which was a little bit of a surprise. And uh, obviously they won't uh, have that this week. Uh, but uh, the uh, the Open Championship website does promise full shot-by-shot data for every player. So we'll see uh, we'll see what that brings. I can't remember whether they had that last year. Noto, you remember that? Or either this is always the major that didn't have it. I'm yeah, not sure never, if I had it last year. but I can't, I can't remember either. Maybe somebody watching will know. But um, it does have shot-by-shot view posted on the uh, the website so uh, we've come a long way with the uh, the shot tracker data and uh, it's a good thing there's more more sweat to be had like this was always the tournament where you just had to wait either hope they showed your guys hole on the uh, shots on the tv or wait till it updates when the entire hole is complete which seems like forever when you're trying to to sweat a, a contest so uh, matt any other golfers or thoughts you want to chat about here yeah, uh, low sixes. Uh, I love Henrik Stenson. Uh, I bet him at five hundred to one. I was informed there's a thousand to one on Barstool if you have that book. Um, so you can bet a thousand dollars to win a million. So I'm still considering that because I, I like him a lot this week. Um, I think if this if you had vintage Stenson here, um, fairways and greens, he's great at that, keeping the ball in play, and he's been doing that on Live lately too. Uh, two of his last three starts, he's finished in the top six. He was fifth in Tulsa. And then last uh, time out in London, he finished T6, but he was second in the field in fairways, and he was third in greens and regulation. So he seems like he's back to that plotting, uh, keeping the ball in play, former Open champion, great Open uh, championship history, uh, one of my favorite players of all time. So 
I'm going to be playing a lot of him at 6,200. I'd like his chance to make the cut. And I also bet a top 20 on him at 10 to 1 on FanDuel. You can probably find better somewhere, but um, I'm, I'm really, really high on Stenson this week. Interesting. We'll see how that uh, pays off. If you become a millionaire, uh, then we've got to thank you. Got to thank us for the karma. Yeah. Um, if you decide to do that, uh, and, and, and you hit, you know, we need, we need a little tip for that. Um, all right. Uh, before we get out of here and, uh, we've already been on for about 50 minutes, so we can probably skip the, the live draft this week, but we'll bring that back next week. Um, I want to make sure I touched on this because I saw it yesterday and I, I, while he's here, I have to ask him, no, no, I have a, you got to reconcile a tweet that you made for me here. Okay. Um, and I have no idea if you have an inkling where I'm going with this. I did not give him a heads up in advance, but you tweeted yesterday. Um, I've never understood why some golfers don't look at leaderboards when in contention. Now we've done shows long enough that I know that you are the type of person that does not look at leaderboards in DFS contests until they are complete. So you got to reconcile your tweet for me here uh, with uh, not looking at the leaderboards when they're in contention and you not checking your, your leaderboards when you're in contention. Well, listen, once the lineup is locked, there's nothing I can do there's to change the outcome. Now, a golfer in contention, I just don't understand how you don't look at the leaderboard to see what you need to do. If you're in a basketball game, you're down two points. You want to know you're down two points. You can either, you know, go for two, go for three to take the lead, whatever it may be. You know, you need to foul if you're down. Football, baseball, any other sport, you're looking at the leaderboard constantly. Uh, it makes no sense to me. I get, you know, maybe you're tr- not trying to you know, make yourself nervous on the front nine or whatever. But when you're on 16 and 17, at least look at the leaderboard. It makes no sense to me. Did something, what generated this? Uh, it was the uh, Barbasol and who was it that was in the lead? Keith, Keith uh, whatever his name was. Give me a second. Yeah. Oh, it's Trevor Cohn. They kept, the announcers kept talking about Trevor Cohn not because he had the lead and then he, uh, you know, duck hooked one left, ended up making double and he still wouldn't look at the leaderboard. And the announcers kept saying he was down one on the 18th hole and they, they were like, I don't know if he knows he has to bury this hole to get in the playoff or not. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, it makes no sense. Yeah. At that point you kind of need to know. And yeah, like you said, there's nothing you can do about your DFS lineup, but I did have to have a chuckle at the, at the tweet. Cause I know you don't like looking. Uh, so I, I wanted to make you explain it on the air. So I figured that was why, but uh, yeah, if you're on the last three holes, I think for strategy purposes, you gotta, you gotta know, but I, to- I do, I totally agree though. If guys don't want to do it for the first, like, 12 or 13 holes if they're in contention because it might mess with their head a little bit. Yeah. I got to say when, when you first started um, talking about a tweet you made at some point that, that I'm going to put you on the spot here. I was like, Oh shit, it's definitely something I said at some point. So, <laughs> I've got to yeah. do a deeper dive. I, I I'm sure I can find some gems. Oh, yeah, you know, my mind was racing too. Far. Yeah. That's where I treat, tweeted someone drinking. No, a little nothing, too much. No, nothing bad. Nothing bad. It's, it's all good. Uh, but, uh, and I just, uh, I had a chuckle, so I wanted to bring it up, but, uh, yeah, we'll bring the snake draft back last week, um, or back next week, uh, especially since I've got the, I got the groove rolling again. I edged out Noto for second place, uh, last week. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get that rolling, but, uh, don't want to keep our uh, production team too late on a Monday evening. Uh, and we've already had a pretty robust show here for you tonight. So anything else? Um, Matt, anything else you want to pass along before we uh, call it a day here? Well, uh, we didn't get to the 5K, but 
Um, I do like uh, Travis Smythe, who I wrote a story on recently, who I'm really high on overall as a, as a person and a player. He's great. It's his first uh, Open Championship start. He's been over here for a couple of weeks um, practicing and getting ready. So I think he could be a sneaky top 20 look, uh, kind of a grinder, good bad weather player. So I like Travis a lot this week. Um, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, anything, uh, I'm not trying to cut off the discussion. If there's something down at the lowest levels that you really do like, uh, Noto, I know you mentioned, you know, maybe a couple rosterable players towards the bottom. Is there anybody else that uh, that you haven't mentioned already that uh, you at least want to give a head nod to? Yeah, there's actually five guys that I'm going to be rostering in the 5Ks. Antoine Rosner, Jorge Campillo, Matthew Southgate, Richie Ramsey, and Marcel Seam. And then uh, just, to, just to finish the show, I'll never forget Henrik Stenson, WGC Mexico, got the runs and withdrew in a non-cut event. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be playing Stenson just out of that from eight years ago or whatever. <laughs> um, he, he drank the water. He drank the tap water. To add to your list, I'm going to be any... playing. Yeah, yeah, just that one more guy in the, in the fives. I'm going to be playing uh, Nakajima, who is uh... – Really hot, was a top amateur in the world for a while before turning pro. Um, he's been playing really well on the Asian tour. He won recently. I think he's in the finishing the top five in like three straight events. Um, and he's really cheap for his his ceiling and how well he could play. And then Alex Fitzpatrick at the at the dead minimum fifty five hundred. Uh, he holed out from the bunker to to get in at the open. And he's played pretty well uh, on the Challenge Tour and the few starts that he's gotten on the DP World Tour. I don't see any reason why he can't make the cut at fifty five hundred. And we also talked about you and Ferguson last week, uh, who finished with the top 15 finish. So he's T12 last week, uh, T4 at the British Masters a couple weeks ago. So he is in that range as well at 6,100. Uh, so really interesting on, you know, if we go back maybe a month, uh, there wasn't hardly anybody we wanted to roster in the 6K range. And now, you know, combined, we've probably rattled off uh, 15 names at about 6,500 or less that are at least you know, you can stomach clicking them. And that makes a, a roster, you know, if you want to do a Rory plus Scheffler build, which you won't be the only one doing it if you decide to do that. But uh, it is doable when you see, you know, you click Rory and Scheffler in a lineup and you see 6,400 per player remaining. Well, I can't do that. Uh, well, with a couple of golfers that you might at least be able to consider in the 5Ks this week, uh, then, you know, it, it does become a little bit more doable than it would have been with the old pricing. So uh, just food for thought as you go uh, building out your lineups this week. Take another quick peek here at the chat here. Um, let's see. Uh, Sable in the Discord chat says, always good to have Patrick Reed back in our lives. So uh, he'll, it'll be interesting to see how many people end up playing him this week. Uh, Mr. Gerg hasn't seen a single shot on the live tour. I haven't seen too many either, but uh, have at least kept some tabs on the results. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out uh, as the next season ends up starting with uh, this new agreement among the tours. So, all right. Uh, I think that will wrap us up for uh, this week. Thanks to Noto. Thanks to Matt for joining me as usual. I am Justin. Thanks to Steve for producing behind the scenes for us as well. We hope you all have a great week. Enjoy the Open Championship, everybody. And uh, we will catch you back here next week. Take care.